You're listening to Campus Review Radio. Hi, it's Lauren, Education Editor. There's no doubt that soft skills are on the education agenda across Australia, but is the government doing enough to ensure its commitment to this in the future? This is the subject of a new Mitchell Institute report. I spoke with one of its authors, Dr Charlene Smith. Given that capabilities are already taught in syllabuses across Australia, why is there a need for a national government approach to teaching them? I would say that the the need for a national approach is less about um, the nuts and bolts of teaching capabilities and more about demonstrating that Australia is aware and committed to building capabilities in all of our our young Australians across their life course. Um, It's about making um, a lasting national commitment to give give assurance to educators that if they're undertaking continuing professional development or if they're seeking to improve their credentials in this area, that they know it's going to be something that the government continues to support. Um, I think it's really important as a nation that we be... Um, that we continue to be on the front foot with with capabilities. We've been um, recognised internationally as as ahead of the game on this through um, through the Melbourne Declaration, through the way that general capabilities are embedded in our national teaching frameworks, things like the Early Years Learning Framework and the National Curriculum, which already exist at a national level. Um, so the calls aren't really so much as to say there needs to be a national teaching strategy. It's more there needs to be an ongoing, lasting national commitment to doing this, to doing it well, to giving um, all young Australians the assurance that whatever school they're in, whatever early childhood centre they're in, whatever TAFE they go to, that they'll have the opportunity to build the skills that we know employers are going to be demanding in the future and that we know are essential to getting on in our society. To be honest, the government has done a lot. It's it's not like um, governments dropped the ball with this. I think the Australian government um, at the federal level and many of the state and territory governments have done great work to date in establishing um, the case for capabilities in school curricula. Um, I think the conversation, though, has gotten a bit stuck in the school gates and it's really important for us to broaden our lens and recognise that these skills and dispositions and habits and ways of getting on are things that children are learning from birth and that they all continue to develop and grow throughout their life course. Um, so I think it's it's more about the a shift in narrative to to assure people that capabilities aren't anything new, um, but they don't just happen. They do need to be deliberately nurtured. They do need to be intentionally built and, and developed throughout the life course. And there's appropriate ways to do that um, from the early years and throughout. Um, and that it's it's just important to give assurance that that we as a nation continue to be committed to to building strong, capable, curious learners through our education system. So the report recommends eight steps to strengthening capabilities in education. I was yes. wondering if you could pick a few of those. I'm not sure if some are more significant than others and just elaborate on them. I would be really loath to say that some are more significant than others, but I think, um, yeah, the ones that I personally am particularly passionate about um, 
the first step that we've put in there is to make a strong evidence-based case for the value of capabilities to employers, parents and educators. I think we can see in our national policy documents around education at all levels that there has been recognition by departments of education, ministers of education, that capabilities matter and that they can be taught and they can be learned through our education system and that they should be a part of what happens within early learning centres, within schools, TAFEs, universities. But it might not have gotten through to, to parents that they have a role to play, to families that they have a role to play, that what they do with their children, whether that be very young children, school-aged children or young adults, the conversations they have, the opportunities they provide make a difference to whether or not those young people grow up to have problem-solving skills critical skills, um, analytical ability, the uh, the chance to play in a team, all of those things. Um, so I think it's really important to let um, families know that they have a, a, a role to play in this, but also at the other end of the spectrum that, um, that employers who have been making their case quite loudly of um, frustration with um, people entering the workforce not necessarily ready to work, um, that there's a role to play for employers as well in in continuing to endorse um, capabilities being included throughout the education system, but also in giving opportunities to work together with, with the education system and build them through um, on-the-job training or opportunities during, um, during school and training years. The case for this was made much better by my colleague Kate Torrey earlier this year in her piece of work looking at how industry and school can work better together to support young people's skills and abilities. Yeah, so that's one of the, the areas that I think is really key. There's a series of fact sheets that we've put together to go along with this report that sort of give a, a step-by-step sense of what people could expect um, small children to be able to do, what their capability um, challenges might be, and some of the ways that um, that anyone can help a child or a young person at any stage in their life to grow in their capabilities. So, for example, a three-year-old who's trying to learn the difference between right and wrong, they need somebody to let them know when they've done the wrong thing. They need someone to show them good ways to behave. They need to um, have someone who talks through them afterwards and says, so how do you think that made such and such feel? And how would you feel if someone did that to you? And by having those kinds of conversations with a three- to five-year-old, you're giving them an understanding of what empathy is and they're starting to learn that other people have different feelings to them. So similarly, throughout schooling, parents have that role to play. And as you've probably gathered from from what I've been talking about, the area that I'm particularly passionate about is um, is the early years. And I think it's really important that we look at what what strategies work to set young people up at the beginning of their learning journeys and how important it is that we build strong foundations in things like getting on with others, following rules, um, managing emotions and learning appropriate behaviours, all of those things that that many of us probably suspect just happen. They don't just happen. Um, small children do need to see and to experience and to do um, all of those behaviours that will then turn into their self-regulation skills and their ex- executive functions. In general, these sorts of skills, where do they sit in relation to education more broadly? Obviously, they're meant to complement it, but... Um, are we seeing that they should take 
priority or are they just an equally important facet of education? Something that we're concerned about is that education systems really seem to be configured at the moment where learning is assessed just in terms of memorisation or being able to perform well in exam conditions by being able to pull out the things, um, the facts and the figures, rather than in an iterative way that really looks at how a young person has combined their knowledge, skills and capabilities and how they are able to use what they know, um, how they can do things and how they understand things, how they get along with others as a way to demonstrate their learning. I was wondering if, uh, based on those eight steps, if any of them might be challenging to implement in practice and if so, why they would be challenging and how those challenges could be overcome? I think some of the challenges for the system are that, of course, there's many fabulous educators out there doing sensational work in all of the different learning contexts that they are working with children and young people. And there's there's pockets of exceptionally great um, teaching and learning going on. And many of us probably think about capabilities and say, well, a good teacher would just teach those anyway. Or good teaching would just, of course, you learn how to do problem solving and teamwork at school. That's just part of what you learn at school. Or, of course, you learn to follow instructions in an early childhood education and care setting. That's just what happens. But in reality, there, there may be some educators who find it more challenging, who have been trained perhaps to... Um, to see their role as to get um, content knowledge in um, and anything beyond that as being something that's not not really within their area of confidence and expertise. I don't believe that there'd be many teachers out there who wouldn't want to be able to say that all of their students came out the other end of the class with all of these capabilities and skills. I think that's probably a large part of what motivates many people to become educators. But just because that's what we all hope to see in education doesn't mean it just happens. And it's really important to be able to give opportunities for mentoring, for those who have great insights and learnings to be able to share them with their colleagues, um, for there to be opportunities to coach and bring other people up, for there to be communities of practice and sharing. And this can be a bit challenging sometimes, especially in the context of um, of kind of a market-based or a a choice-based education system where um, I'm thinking perhaps in the early years where the centre down the road might not want to share the insights of how great they are because they want to have that market advantage. But rather than seeing um, it as a competition, seeing education as a collaborative effort could really make a difference for all of the children of Australia. What are you hoping to get out of the report in terms of responses from the government and other stakeholders? We're really keen to see a continued commitment by government to the capabilities within our education system, um, to see a recognition that capabilities are something that set young people up for life and they're the ways that our knowledge and skills turn into real-life application. Um, 
I'm personally passionate to see all children and young people given the opportunities to develop capabilities. We know that they don't just happen. We also know that not every child is born to a family with all of the resource and opportunities for um, learning in the home or extracurricular and cultural and sporting activities where a lot of these capabilities can be built. And that's one of the reasons I, I just really believe it's so important to keep capabilities on the agenda for our national approaches to education throughout the system so that those children who don't necessarily have the same chances as their peers are able to have the opportunity to grow in all of these areas throughout their education. And I really would love to see a an encouragement of our outstanding educators that they're doing a fantastic job, that they're doing the best they can do, that as they respond to the pressures of having to um, teach to tests, that there's a recognition that education and learning is much more than teaching to a test and that what they do every day and the young minds and and trajectories that they are influencing um, have a new world to, to go forth into and succeed in and what they need in that world is more than just memorising facts, it's also all of the capabilities. Thank you so much for talking with me. That's my pleasure, thank you for talking with me.